The American church must come to terms with the fact that we have been bamboozled with regards to education and preparation of our young. Hey, what's going on family? What's going on friends? My name is John Richemeza. This is the Kingdom Exploits podcast. Thank you, thank you so much for joining me today. If you're new here and you're watching this on YouTube, please consider subscribing. Uh, consider hitting the bell notification and hit the like button. All these things will definitely help my efforts a lot. The bell notification will be used to notify you whenever I release another episode or whenever I post something on YouTube. Uh, if you hit the like button, that will help this video be elevate, elevated in the algorithm. Uh, as well as, please comment below. Let me know what you think about all these things that I'm about to talk about today. If you're listening to this on podcast, please be sure to download uh, this episode and uh, share it with others. And also, if you don't mind, please go and uh, leave a review on um Apple Podcast, a positive five-star review will help my efforts greatly. If you're looking for other ways that you can support me, in the links in the description of this video, I'll share some other ways. But without any further blase blase, let's get it on. So as I said, the American church must come to terms with the fact that we have been bamboozled with regards to the education and preparation of our young. I am saying this because after looking and doing some research, and I'm still working, researching as I go, I have come to the conclusion that at some point we got tricked into giving one of the most important tools that God gave us to be able to advance the gospel into all the corners of the world, all the nooks and crannies, in the highways, in the byways. We gave up the most important tools. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, it says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3, it says, For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war, according to the flesh since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but are powerful through god for the demolishing of strongholds we demolish arguments every proud thing that raises itself up against the knowledge of god and we take every thought captive to obey christ and we're ready to punish any disobedience once your obedience is complete when you take these two passages together you come to the conclusion that we have been bamboozled with regards to education. We have assumed that we can disciple people in the things of the spirit and allow the secularist, who is in many ways an enemy of God, some of which are proudly so, they're humanists and they have declared that there is no God. We know that's foolish. According to Romans 1, everybody are without excuse. They know there's a God. But in their pride, in their humanism, okay, 
they have decided there is no God and the solutions and the answers to life's biggest questions can be found. The world can be explained scientifically, mathematically, biologically. The world can be explained without God, without the way, the truth, and the life. But somehow we, the people of God, who have been assigned to come and represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Remember, in, in Matthew 28, he was clear. He did not uh, uh, stutter when he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, therefore, I'm sending you to go into all the nations. And those people that you, you preach the gospel to, which hopefully it's your kids, first and foremost, make sure that after you have baptized them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you teach them to obey everything God has commanded you. Okay? The Bible also commands us in Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 4, it says, listen, Israel. Now, this is the Old Testament, but we come back to the New Testament. We are engrafted into the family of God. So when we look back and read, that there can easily be said, listen, church. Okay. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with your heart, with all your soul. With all your strength. We know in the New Testament that Jesus adds, and with all your mind. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get, when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on your doorpost and of your household and your city gates. So, it's telling you to educate your family and your children. Give them a biblical worldview. Okay, as we sit today, um, if you're teaching your children about how they are to see the world with regards to biology, with regards to mathematics, and, and God is not in it, that's what I mean. We have been tricked. We have been tricked to assume that those are neutral subjects. We have been tricked very good for many, many years that these subjects are, are neutral and that the secularists can teach them just as well and, and that um, we don't need really to look at this subject in a certain lens. Now, to some degree that's true. Okay, so because the secularists have what a theologian call common grace, right? Because those secularists and humanists, they're still created in the image of God. Therefore, they are able to articulate and, and respond to things in the way God intended because they are created in the image of God. They are genuinely bearing the image of God even if they don't know it. And they're genuinely uh, responding to the call of subduing the earth even though they don't see it that way. Even in their pride and ignorance. But we should be the ones taking the lead here, at least with regards to our children and the children in our Christian communities. We should be taking the lead. We should be the ones that is helping to articulate these things to our children. But for many years, people have been convinced and people still believe this. You know, People are going to fight with these ideas and these things that I'm saying. They have for many years. I'm not the first to say it. I'm not the last that's going to say it. But... Ultimately, 
people are going to fight with the idea that if, if you allow a secularist to talk to your children about biology, they will end up undermining your Christian worldview of the world. And so you have to then get home and reinterpret everything for them. Which brings me to the whole idea, why send them over there in the first place? Isn't that, to me, that's a waste of time. We have been bamboozled. We have been bamboozled, and I am to the point that now my eyes are open, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, here's the reality. If you show me a community that depends on the government for education of their young, I will show you a community that is slowly but surely regressive morally and spiritually, even if that community is full of Christians. Some people are sitting here saying, well, my school district and my county is pretty conservative. We're safe here. That's a lie. You're not safe. Because the government, the secularists that are in charge of the government, they want and they won't stop until they have brought every school under their control into subjection of their worldview. And there are things right now, even in your school, that you think are innocent and they've, they've managed to convince you that there's nothing wrong about it. But these things are the ones that are Trojan horses into, into your school. Ultimately, your kids are going to grow up to be activists. And, and you see that in the church today. Your average Christian who's my age, who went through public school and went through secular universities and all these things, they're not really deep thinkers, most of them. And I'm talking about the ones that are actually even fortunate to go to university. They're not deep thinkers. They are more, more of an activist than they are a, a, a thinker. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm an activist too. I just happen to be an activist on the other side. But I'm just saying we have allowed for the public school to create activists and not really learners and scholars. The progressives took over education more than 100 years ago. And the progressives knew that in order for them to create a world that they wanted, which is the world we're living in today, secularized society. Imagine 100 years ago, America was fairly Christian 100 years ago. You can make that claim. America was predominantly Christian. I'm talking about all the way through the government, the Supreme Court, everywhere. It was all Christian. Now, it's secular everywhere. Why? Because progressives, people like John Dewey, decided that in order for them to really change America and turn it into a, a whatever it is today, they had to seize education. So again, when I say the American church got bamboozled, it's because they got tricked. They got convinced and handed the keys over to the progressives. Well, here we are today as a result. So when we say, and when I say we, I mean me and all those people who are out there shouting to the rooftops, let's get out of the public school, let's create our own alternative uh, uh, options for the people, our people. And when I say our people, I'm talking about our, our communities. They don't have to be Christians. But there's a lot of people out there who are not even Christians who are looking for better options. And we, the church, can provide those options. And we should, because through a sleight of hand, the progressive took over. And slowly but surely, okay, slowly but surely, these progressives who were really communists in their ideology. Here's what Antonio Gramsci said, and he is pretty much the father of 
cultural Marxist today. Antonio Gramsci said, socialism is precisely the religion that, we, that must overwhelm Christianity. In the new order, socialism will triumph by first capturing the culture via infiltration of schools, universities, churches, the media, by transforming the consciousness of society. Okay, this is what Antonio Gramsci said. So ask yourself then, where are we today? Have they accomplished what they set out to do? If you doubt this, just look at your average American university, secular or otherwise, at this point. You will see, without a doubt, that these places are incubators. Incubators. For Marxist ideologues. And so you ask the question, how did we get here? Oh, we got here. We're here. And we got here very slowly. Very. Okay? I've already made episode about um, the National Education Association and how they, a leftist entity, are pretty much in control of, of American public schools. They have so much power, it's a multi-million dollar, billion dollar entity, and they give all of their money to the Democrats, and they only give their money to the Democrats because the Democrats are the ones that will push their cause. The Democrats are the ones that will open the door for their filth that they want to bring in the, in the uh, public school. Planned Parenthood, uh, the Human Rights Campaign, which is the, the big LGBT kind of, um, I'll call it a gang, okay? It's an organization. It's, it's the most, the, one of the biggest ones. And you have all kinds of other leftist organizations that are allowed to go in the public school and really bring in whatever they need to bring in for their cause, their leftist cause. And to be clear, these people believe they're doing God's work. They believe that the changes they're bringing about, that they're fighting for, are the necessary changes for society. One of the ways they're doing this today, believe it or not, is through something that is called social and emotional learning. So social emotional learning, or a lot of people will call it SEL, uh, is a system that schools are using to transform the education system um, in a way that places the focus on a child's attitudes, morals, values, and beliefs rather than academic excellence. And they will tell you that social emotional learning is a way to teach children uh, empathy, how to manage their emotions and build relationships. But what these programs do is use innocuous language like social emotional learning that sounds nice um, to cover the, the, the Trojan horse that it is for bringing in all of the critical race theory ideology, the uh, gender identity, sexual orientation, and social justice education. So it is, it is just a cover for bringing in all of these issues that uh, you know parents defending education and organizations across our country are bringing awareness to. Uh, and I like to tell people that critical race theory is the ideology, but social emotional learning is the delivery system of that ideology into our education system. Uh, the social emotional learning comes from CASEL, which is the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning. And 
people would recognize some of the funders as the Gates Foundation and the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. And some of the some of the some of SEL is it like I said, it sounds nice. So a lot of parents may see some of this at the school and not realize that the social emotional learning skills or competencies that they're influencing these children with are influenced through the viewpoint of, uh, of a critical race theorist. And so, of course, they cover that up with uh, a word like equity, which you will hear often. And in 2019, uh, Castle developed uh, the social emotional learning into what they called transformative social emotional learning, and it was to promote equity. And it it actually states within their documentation that it is to promote justice-oriented civic engagement and to uh, dismantle and transform what they call inequitable systems. So through social emotional learning and this heavy influence on uh, identities, oppression, biases, um, they are they are teaching children basically to become uh, social justice warriors um, to create new social norms. Every school has this, okay? Why? Because the door was open to this because this sounds innocent. This sounds um, like this is something that kids need. Okay, so as a result, now we have every, every public school pretty much, and, and I'm sure Christian schools have been a, a, a allowed, have been bamboozled into bringing this stuff in, and some of them don't have a choice, by the way, because this comes through the government standards, state standards. But again... The, the left understood, they still understand, that education is a powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. This is what Nelson Mandela said, and the, the left or the secular humanists took this to heart. The church said, oh yeah, sure, but you guys can educate our kids so they can change the world. On whose behalf? You think the left or the, the secularists are going to change your kids so they could change the world on your behalf? No. No, that, 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 that makes no sense. It's like sending your kids to an enemy country and say, hey, train, train our kids for us so that they can come back home so we can fight y'all together. No, no, they're not going to do that. When they get their hands on your children, they're going to turn them into enemies against you. Okay, so I already read the passage in 2 Corinthians 10 that said that there's, we have weapons, weapons that are, are, are not of the flesh and when you, when you hear weapons, you have to obviously assume there's a war. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible tells us that we are at war. And the war that we are in, yes, it's a spiritual war, but it manifests in the natural. Okay, it's not a spiritual war that we will be able to win without doing something in the physical. So we start in the spirit, we pray, we fast, we do all these things that we do. We, we read our word, we sing, we worship, and things like that. But after that, we have to do something tangible in the physical. So how do you demolish arguments in the physical? Let's not forget also that the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 2, the Bible tells us to be careful that no one takes us captives through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition based on the elements of the world rather than on Christ. Humanistic philosophies, deceptive philosophy. This is exactly what the uh, uh, things like critical race theory and things of that nature, this is what these are. 
These are deceptive philosophies that do, does not acknowledge that there's a God. Does not acknowledge the, 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 the role of original sin. Does not acknowledge that technically we're all human. And sure, some people have assumed themselves better than others all throughout history, by the way. But critical race theory does not care about the entire history of the world. It only cares about America and Europe. It doesn't care what happened in Africa. In fact, what happened in Africa amongst Africans is irrelevant to them. What happened here before anybody ever got here among native Indians is irrelevant to them. They only care about where Europeans step foot because that, that way they could blame the Europeans. Let's go back to how the church got bamboozled. So according to a man named Samuel Blumenfeld, Samuel L. Blumenfeld, he was a big proponent of, they, they call him a pioneer of homeschooling, but he was, he was one of the people that exposed uh, the National Education Association. He, uh, he's written a number of books, but he is one of, uh, one of the warriors with regards to education. And he, he gave a talk. I hope the audio is right on here. He gave a talk with regards to um, why the 19th uh, century uh, America abandoned Christian schools for public school. And he kind of has a lot of very um, informative things to say about exactly why we find ourselves in a predicament with with specifically with regards to school, the predicament we find ourselves in. Why did the progressives want to downgrade literacy skills? Well, because to John Dewey and his colleagues, high literacy was considered an obstacle to socialism. Why? Because high literacy produced individuals with independent intelligence who could stand on their own two feet and think for themselves. But in a socialist society, an elite does the thinking for everyone else. Thus, a socialist society cannot tolerate a population of individualists who can think for themselves and possibly oppose the elite. And so it was decided to dumb down the American people in order to create a more docile, manipulable population. Now, how were the educators to carry out this plan? How were, they, how were they to give American parents the impression that they were educating the children while at the same time dumbing them down? Well, these men were the nation's top educators and the world's top psychologists. They put their minds together and came up with an ingenious solution. All they had to do was change the way American children were taught to read. And so they threw out the alphabetic phonics method, which is the proper way to teach children to read an alphabetic writing system, and put in a new method, a whole word, look, say, or sight method that teaches children to read English as if it were Chinese, an ideographic writing system. And this is exactly what they did. Change was made on a wide scale in the early 1930s. The results have been dramatic and devastating. American literacy today is on a par with many undeveloped countries. The dumbing down process has been successfully carried out, and there is no indication that the process can be reversed in the public school. Okay, 
So you get it. I hope you got it. I hope this is beginning to make sense for people, for the two of you that are listening to me. And so you can share this so more people can hear it. Here's the point, okay? A sleight of hand happened, an actual sleight of hand. And your average parent, your average pastor today, they don't know this. And, and the ones that know some of this history, they don't really know what to do about it. But this is exactly what happened. So you ask yourself, okay, so what else happened, John? What else happened? What happened is that there was a time when Christians and Christian schools were a majority. There was a time where Christians were actually in charge of institutions of learning. We were in charge. We were responsible for educating people. So people can go out there understanding the world and understanding it rightly, even if they decided they didn't want nothing to do with God. Why else would Marxists go after the church as much as they did? Why else would Antonio Gramsci Okay, a Marxist say, I'll quote the quote again, socialism is precisely the religion that must be that must overwhelm Christianity in the new order. Okay, there's a new order. And I'm going to play a video to show you exactly why all this is unfolding in the new order. Socialism will triumph by first capturing the culture via infiltration of schools university, churches, and the media by transforming the consciousness of society. How do you transform the consciousness of society? You make it, you throw God out. But in the same talk with Samuel Blumenfeld, he actually says the Christians decided to abandon the schools because... Back in the 1830s, 40s, and 50s, there arose a great fear among American Protestants that massive Catholic immigration would change the Protestant character of American society. And so many conservative Protestants joined the Unitarians, Socialists, and Hegelians in promoting a government system of education which could be used to promote Protestant objectives. The Catholics, of course, caught on to this plan and finally decided to create a parochial school system of their own. There were many conservative Protestants who realized that they were taking a great risk in putting their children in secular schools, the risk that the religious faith of their children might be undermined. Your average Christian today who's honest, who's thinking about these things, they are still thinking, they, they still know it's a risk. If you talk to a pastor today, any past, most pastors, they will admit that yes, it is a risk, but the risk is worth it. They felt that the risk was worth taking. Indeed, they said as much in a report they made to the Policymaking General Association of Massachusetts in 1849. 1849. Now, I'll say this. 1849, the risk, sure. I think the risk was worth it then, but not today. We have to come out of this dream that the risk is worth it. It's not. It is not. 
you are sacrificing your children. This is not to say that if a child is homeschooled or if they go to Christian school, they are guaranteed to become a Christian in the end. No. That's not what this is about. What this is about is we are commanded to, and I believe because God has commanded us to do this, to educate our own, okay? Um, ultimately, you know, the Bible says if you teach a child in the way they should go, when they, are grow, when they grow up, they won't depart from it. If we do a good job early on, the chances are very high that they will stay with it. I just don't see how you can do that with the government together, a government that is now under the total control of secular humanists. The leading Protestant body in America. They wrote, quote, the benefits of this system in offering instruction to all, and then the public school system, are so many and so great that its religious deficiencies, especially since they can be otherwise supplied, and then emphasize Sunday school in that moment, do not seem to be a sufficient reason for abandoning it and adopting in place of it a system of denominational parochials. But they made a provision. But this was provisionary. They said, if after a full and faithful experiment, it should at last be seen that fidelity to the religious interests of our children forbids a further patronage of the system, we can unite with the evangelical Christians in the establishment of private schools in which more full doctrinal religious instruction may be possible. I believe we can say without fear of contradiction yes. that the public schools have been given a full and faithful test. Amen. And they failed. We are there. Okay. These people that represented us, the church, in the 1800s, the people that made us to go along and, and be part of the public school system, the people that decided that the risks, although there were risks, that they were worth it in the 1800s. They themselves also said, after a good amount of time, we can look back and decide, that, okay, are we going to keep doing this? Or are we going to do something different? I have been arguing, and I, will, I won't stop, obviously. Um, I have been arguing that we're here now. We're here. The time is here. We, we have to, we, you cannot look at the situation now with what is happening in the public schools, with who's in control, and decide that, you know, we, we, sh we still should continue. I think the time has come for us to put our heads together and together, collectively, take our children out of these God-forsaken school systems. I think... Just like the Catholic Church, we have the money. If we come together, if we were to say, look, we may disagree on secondary issues, whether you speak tongues there, whether you don't, whether you believe in, in the spirit, in, 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 in um, uh, you know, healing and things like that, or whether you don't, those are secondary issues. But we're all orthodox. We're all brothers. If we can come together on the table as brothers and all put our money together, 
I believe this is a worthwhile cause. I believe with all of my heart that we're here. And the enemy obviously will continue to divide us. The enemy will continue to show us the reasons why we shouldn't. And the enemy will continue to convince us to keep sending our children away from proper instructions. I'm saying it's time to wake up. I'm saying, what else do you expect? The truth is, if we really want reform, then the church has to retake uh, the responsibility of educating the young in every community. This is true reform. If, if we want to take things back to the way things they should, reform is not just putting the Bible back in the school or putting prayer in the school. No, 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 no. Reform has to happen across the board. We have to take the, the uh, Department of Education, delete that. We have to take the National Education Association, defund that. But we can't do that because these entities are very powerful. Okay, these entities have grown so powerful that, sure, God can do anything. But uh, as, even as we pray and fight to get rid of these entities, we have to provide alternatives. This, to me, this is how we put them out of business. If we can take all the teachers that are Christians out of these entities, I'm pretty sure these entities will collapse on themselves. If all every Christian teacher was to say, okay, we're out, we're out, but we have to choose. Is this to say there's, there are not going to be some teachers that will, might still be called in the secular government schools? I'm sure. Is this to say we, we won't have anything more to do with these schools? No. I would never advocate for that. But we have to do something. And I believe if we build schools in the community that are distinctly Christian, orthodox Christian, we will have the blessing of our communities. I believe this with all my heart. And even if we don't, so what? We have to do something. What we can't do is continue to send our children to these people. I'm going to end here for this episode. When I come back, I'm going to talk to you guys about some of the poison that are in the schools that have disguised themselves, that, are, that have sipped under. And I'm going to talk about some other plans that our secularists and our elites in our society, some of the plans they have. These are global plans. These are, not just, these are plans that go beyond the United States. This is why they push globalism. This is why they're, they're really rushing us into a one world government and they hope to do that via education remember it is a powerful weapon which you can use to change the world and they believe this and i think we as christians have to take this seriously do we want to change the world or not do we want to change the world for jesus i'll say yes of course we do education is how we do it and we can't do that by sending our kids to be educated by someone who believes things that is in contradiction to what we believe with regards to the world that we intend to change Remember, when these people say words like equality, doesn't equal the same thing that you think. So you can't possibly be changing the world in the same way. These people are progressives. They are Darwinian in their thinking. So yes, on the surface, we might have the same goals and agendas, but at the bottom, their goals and agendas are in contradiction with ours. We wait for a king to come. They don't. They are the king. Thank you so much for joining me today. Again, my name is John Ushemeza. 
if you have been tracking with me so far please comment below and let me know and i am th so thankful for you but um be sure to share this episode be sure to comment please 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 let me know where you're watching this from where you're listening this from and um if you have any ideas on what we can do i mean if you have any resources that you want to share with me with regards to now what share them below again in my next episodes i'm going to talk about sel social and emotional learning and then i want to close this series with what we can do about it like like an, uh, some sort of plan forward some ideas and suggestions and some things that i'm seeing that some people in in already the christian communities are doing because people are out there already doing something about this i just feel the urgency to shout on the rooftop for those of you who are still out there holding out with that being said i will see you on the flip side